when we as workers are looking for leadership, particularly if you think about moments of crisis, you know, we, we've all been part of this for the last few years and we've been looking towards leaders to say, what's the true north that is going to get us through this? What is the thing that we're all coalescing around? And it's not just we that believe this is our company. Harvard Business Review has done a four part series. McKinsey has done a lot of work in this area. And it really comes down to an alignment of company purpose and personal purpose. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and today I'm talking with Greg Sloan, Chief Purpose Officer and co-founder of Go Beyond, a people development company that combines behavioral science and technology to create a more prosperous workforce. An alumnus of Georgia State University, Greg was formerly VP at Goldman Sachs, where he spent more than a decade. After leaving Goldman, he started his own financial advising firm in a quest to have a more purposeful career. After running this company for many years, he sold it to pursue his passion of helping others find more purpose and joy in their work. This led him to start his current company, Go Beyond. And in today's conversation, we talk about his own journey to find more purpose with his work and discuss the current challenges of workers in businesses today with finding and keeping talent. We also dig into how a more purposeful career is vital to not only our individual health, but also the health and well being of every business. So, Greg, thank you for joining me today on The In Factor. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm just glad, I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm I'm really excited to hear your story. You've got a really interesting background in finance and working with Goldman Sachs and as an investment advisor and now as an entrepreneur and more recently as an entrepreneur. But let's get started. I'd like to start by um, understanding a little bit more about what you're doing now. Your company is called Go Beyond. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Go Beyond. Sure, absolutely. So Go Beyond is a people development company, and we provide content and tools to help businesses improve recruiting, engagement, and ultimately retention uh, with their people. And we do that by activating purpose in the workplace. Interesting. So it is always about people, right? Um, That's kind of what my thoughts are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anybody who's run a business, um, you know, you have basically, uh, you know, product process and people and the product's great, but if you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter. And if you don't have the right process, then you can't get your people in the right place. So it always comes back to those three key things, but our heart and our, our, um, what we are really focused on is we want people to live more fulfilled lives and particularly the fulfillment in life for many of us comes with having a fulfilling career. Yes. And so tell me a little bit about in purpose, which you mentioned is so incredibly important um, on so many levels. And uh, there seems to be a lot of people that are sadly kind of walking around without or searching for purpose. How do you help companies 
uh, find employees and keep them and and help them find their purpose? How does that work specifically? Give me an example. Yeah, so I'll give you an example of a company we're working with right now. It's a small healthcare company, and this owner has been dealing quite a bit with significant turnover of his workforce, as as a lot of other companies are. You know, the current, what is the current term? Quiet quitting. Before that, it was the great yep. resignation. Before that, it was, you know, active disengagement. It all boils down to, I think, what Jim Collins really tried to highlight, which was in his book, Good to Great. You know, good companies, I'm sorry, great companies got there by getting the right people on the bus, first of all, and then getting them in the right seats in the bus. What I've experienced in my career and talking with many um, prospects and clients and companies is really people struggle, companies struggle and people struggle getting into that right role. And so when we use the term purpose, we are talking more about a personal purpose in life. But when organizations are looking at their own company's purpose, we really think that there is a way to align these two. And we define purpose for an organization as something that's greater than a mission. Um, a purpose usually typically incorporates all stakeholders, including employees in the community. And then for individuals, a purpose for us, a personal purpose is kind of a succinct one sentence uh, that describes their unique value proposition, how they're uniquely designed. So our program is designed to help companies articulate that unique purpose, help employees craft or workers, excuse me, craft their personal purpose, and then make sure those two things are in alignment. Oh, so cool. So you actually have, um, so you work with both leadership in terms of helping them define or at least clarify their purpose maybe in a way that is going to be um, um, understandable, I guess, and meaningful to their employees. And then you also work with the employees to help them go through some process of, of maybe self-awareness and self-understanding to to develop their purpose. Would that be a correct statement? Yeah. Uh Absolutely. So our program is focused on the people. Um, we actually partner with another organization, another company consultant to help the company craft the company's purpose statement. So we work in partnership with someone else. It, you know, a great example you asked a minute ago, um, the CEO of UPS, um, Carol, oh my gosh, her last name is uh, escaping me right now, but she spoke at my son's commencement um, for graduation. And her topic, the speech was around UPS's purpose and then her personal purpose. And when she was hired as the CEO of UPS, it was right in the middle of pandemic. And the first thing she said she came in was she pulled a cohort of leaders from different levels of the organization and said, you know, we know our mission statement. That's what we say, share, give to our shareholders and our investors. But what is our company's purpose that goes beyond a little bit of where we get our name from that goes beyond just serving shareholders and our customers. And then they crafted a company purpose. It's on their website. They did a video and a marketing campaign, PR campaign around it. But she really uh, understands uh, one of those great leaders that understands why it's so important for a company to be able to clearly articulate how they're providing for the greater good 
as opposed to just to their shareholders and customers. I would imagine, although I haven't really seen this research, but I would imagine there's research that demonstrates that when employees actually have an aligned purpose, they're much more likely to stay with the company um, and to be more productive, probably even. Yeah, so 125% more likely to stay. Um, there's one research report that says 600% more productive. Wow. I don't know how they come up with that. Yeah. Um, one other uh, statistic that I've come across is that when a leader of a team is, they use the term purpose-driven, is purpose-driven or, or articulates how important it is for them to lead from a position of purpose they have 100% more retention for their team. That may not translate to the entire organization. Mm -hmm. But when we as workers are looking for leadership, particularly if you think about moments of crisis, you know, we, we've all been part of this for the last few years. And we've been looking towards leaders to say, what's the true north that is going to get us through this? What is the thing that we're all coalescing around and it's not just we that believe this is our company harvard business review has done a four-part series mckinsey has done a lot of work in this area and it really comes down to an alignment of company purpose and personal purpose yeah i i totally get that and i think it's very timely what when did you start go beyond well the yeah, so Go Beyond as a company uh, started in January of 2020, although we didn't really release our products until, candidly, a big part of our products were not released until earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So we were in product development stage. Uh, there's a lot of video content in our program. So last year we were shooting videos as well as working with some beta testers on the actual software. Um, so the ideas go back much further than that. But in terms of launching the business, 2020 and then really, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 2021 and then 2022 is really when we came to market with our current product. Yeah. So, so the reason I ask you that question, when, when I teach opportunity recognition, which is one of the subject areas that that I talk about a lot and um, that is in a book that I just recently published on the competencies of entrepreneurship, yeah. um, this whole idea of, of timeliness in yeah. the market. And um, so much has happened uh, since 2020, uh, February of 2020 and uh, March when, you know, the world shut down for a while and uh, with the pandemic and then that, you know, we've come out of that very different, I think, our workplaces. And, you know, that I would imagine that it could be very helpful. Um, what you're doing could be very helpful as companies are trying to navigate all this new normal. And especially with remote workers and, um, you know, the, like you mentioned, the quiet quitting that we are seeing and, and uh, the great resignation and, all of the change in the workforce. So I can imagine this is a really important uh, work that you're doing. So I'm glad you're doing it. And, and I'm, I'm just really intrigued by it. I do have a question about, you know, getting maybe in the weeds a little bit, but sure. I'm very curious about um, assessments. Do you use assessments with the, um, especially the individual workers? And, uh, you know, our students love assessments and they're always really interested in, 
in doing self-assessments. And, and um, so I'm just wondering if you use those, if you develop your own or you have some that you like better than others. Wow. Great question, because we have a unique story about that. So when we first, before we really launched as a company, we had the idea, we had a little bit of uh, products that were in development, and we started selling. And we were in the meeting with a very high level meeting with the CEO and the head of HR. And the HR person said, you know, we really love what you're talking about, but we as a company, when we make a decision like this, we have to know that it actually works. Do you have any assessment to measure the impact that it has? And at that point in time, we said, no, we don't, but I'm sure there's some assessments out there. We'll go find you one. Well, as it turns out, there really was no purpose assessment um, at the time. And so we ended up hiring a PhD to help us build something called Purpose Pulse. And that is our unique assessment that measures people in six factors and 24 insights all around how they are really it's a condition checked it's how are they doing if, if you want to ask a simple question for many of us that are in our age group we grew up with those employee satisfaction surveys that was that yes was, was done once <laughs> a year that you know, you never knew if there's any outcome. So Purpose Pulse is sort of a evolved version of that. It is very quick. It's done in a phone or your desktop computer. We are actually launching formally as a standalone product. Um, in fact, this week, because we have now taken the assessment where companies that don't want to measure all six factors can scale it back to just measuring two of the six. For instance, two, two factors that you may want to measure are stress response and energy efficiency. Two really important factors in this moment. It takes 32 questions to, that, that is, those two factors will um, cover be covered in 32 questions, which I think takes about four minutes to do. Mm -hmm. And then the team, uh, the individual gets a report to show how they're doing. Are they healthy? Are they struggling? I'm sorry, are they unhealthy? Are they struggling? Are they coping? Or are they healthy in each of these areas? And then the leader over the organization gets the aggregate report that shows how their entire team is doing. They don't get the individual reports, but they get the aggregate report. Yeah. And, you know, that the I love the assessment. Um, and I, I, I could spend a lot of time sort of digging yeah. into the details of that. But, um, you know, I'm also curious about how you ensure uh, in a company that the assessment really, that something comes out of that, because as you pointed out, that it is very common and has been common over the years to do these as a perfunctory measure sometimes, sometimes with the intention of doing something that maybe never gets done because everybody gets busy. So how, how does it, how does the whole system work so that, you know, the employee feels like, the work they did to take the assessment, which may not have taken too long, but that it really is going to not only inform them, but it might make a difference in the company. Well, yeah. So in our discussions with clients and, and prospects, what we find is that we have no problem talking about assessments and them using assessments. Everybody uses them these days. Where it's applicable, I think the most, at least for ours is, most companies have a budget for employee assistance programs, EAP, mm -hmm. which is where they 
will look at the condition of their workforce and say, okay, based on where our people are struggling, we're going to then allocate more dollars in this particular area or more dollars in that particular area. So the outcome of our particular assessment for the leaders in the organization is really we're giving them a diagnostic tool so they can then allocate budget better to where their people or their teams within their organization are struggling. Uh, I was talking to a, a leader in HR for a very, very large company. He said, Greg, you know, we're so large. We use so many different platforms. And within my organization, I have a lot of people, I have carte blanche to invest dollars in a certain direction. I don't have to follow the, the large company. This is a company that has 60,000 employees. Mm-hmm. I don't have to follow the, the master budget. I can, I can allocate budget based on my team. So that, I think that's really, really important, particularly the smaller you go into an org, uh, into a structure that you're a little more surgical in how you reinvest your other dollars. Yeah. Well, I think it's really powerful. And I think, you know, as a, as somebody who spent a lot of time in universities with students, um, that there could be some opportunity to help students even before they start the job search to understand themselves a little bit better. And, uh, and I think that could be an, uh, is that, a, is that a direction you're thinking about? <laughs> so actually we are in the final stages. I'm glad you mentioned it. We are in the final stages. I have a partner. She, her content is very much around productivity. Our content is about purpose and we have joined together to launch something called start ahead where you can start ahead with purpose and productivity. Um, it's it's going to be designed for college juniors and seniors. Um, I have three adult children. I'm blessed to, to say that my children grew up in a home and in an environment where purpose was just part of our parental language. So all three of our children during their college years and my youngest before he attended college really understood their unique place. And all three graduated within four years. Uh, Two of them graduated early. They're all pursuing their purpose in their career paths. And um, yes, it's it's a passion of ours. Um, And stay tuned. We, We hope to launch that within the next 30 days. I love it. I love it. So let's let's back up a little. As you know, sure. I'm an educator as well as an entrepreneur, and, and uh, I teach students and young people and even adults who would like to start companies. And I, I'm always uh, curious about how you got to this point. So I love your company, love what you're doing, but you made a big leap. Uh, so take us back a little bit. Um, you know, how, how did you get to go beyond and uh, get from being financial advisor to uh, entrepreneur? So um, I was in the industry, financial services industry for 25 years, started in 1995, uh, joined a company that became part of Goldman Sachs in 1999. At the age of 36, 2006, I was 36 years old and I was at the peak of a very financially successful career, but personally just not fulfilled. In fact, borderline miserable. And I went through this process to really understand my own purpose in life and going through this existential crisis. Now, I didn't, that outcome wasn't that I should become an entrepreneur, but the outcome was I should be more aligned with my unique purpose. I actually first went to my 
boss and said, look, here's the seat that I'm sitting in. I think this is a much more fulfilling seat. And he said, well, that seat doesn't exist. And I said, I understand that. I'd like to create that seat. And he said, well, that's not going to happen. And so I said, well, then it's time for me to move on. That was really, to some extent, I felt like I was pushed out um, to, to become an entrepreneur. Now, there, there were a lot of entrepreneurial, um, I had entrepreneurial DNA. I'd actually already started two companies, one when I finished college and another one uh, before I joined uh, Goldman Company. So I had already done two two businesses. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was necessary for me to do it again. However, in March of 2007, I in fact did leave Goldman, launched my own firm, which I would say I learned was much more aligned with my purpose and being a, I would describe myself probably more as a founder, a founder entrepreneur, um, meaning that there are a lot of entrepreneurs that get into that get in there, but they weren't necessarily the founder of the business. They could have purchased an existing business and they're absolutely entrepreneurial, but they may not necessarily come up with the original idea. So I'm more of a founder entrepreneur because I'm, I'm an idea person. Yeah. I, well, I, I know the feeling. And uh, it, 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 one of the frustrating things about being an idea, uh, idea person is there's so many great ideas out there, right? <laughs> there there wanna... is. And that is the, that is both the blessing as, and the curse, I think of the founder. Um, and it's, it's one of those areas that we need our own coaches and our accountability partners to say, stay focused. Yes. Yes. So, so you uh, left Goldman Sachs and started a firm actually doing something similar. You were still a financial advisor with your firm that you started. Is that right? And go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So absolutely. So I was a wealth, I, I was a wealth manager Uh and I worked with individual clients, most of them were high net worth individuals and helping them to um, become more financially uh, independent. Most of my clients were already high, high net worth. So it was really more about maintaining their wealth as opposed to just growing it. And, but it, and I, you exited that company to start this one or did something did, else happen? Yeah. No, I, I started that company in March of 2007 and I sold it in January of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then you moved on to go beyond and you've been in building stage there for the last yes. several years. Yeah. So I stayed with the company that purchased mine for a year. That was part of the, the deal. I had to help transition my clients and my employees and the entire organization in, into that company and then started working on go beyond full time in January of 2021. So, uh, so you've been working on Go Beyond, and you've spent the last couple of years in R and D. And so, tell us a little bit about, or the last year or so, tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, what 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 have been, um, you know, what is what is Go Beyond as far as being an organization is concerned? Um, are you mainly, uh, you know, what kind of what kind of organization are you, and and uh, what do you hope for that organization as you build it? Yeah. So right now it's myself and my wife. My son does work with us as our engineer. He's really the um, software developer that came up with the idea of taking the process and turning it into a product. Um, And we primarily serve organizations selling a program as well as software. We also sell directly to coaches that want tools for their coaching business. Um, But we're selling directly to 
the buyers who are then using it with either their clients or their workers, uh, mostly um, employees in that case, mm -hmm. but could be contractors as well. Yeah. So as you as you're building this company, have you run into any challenges or any uh, any problems that <laughs> oh, <laughs> with building yeah. it that you might be willing to share and talk yes, about a little bit? Of course, bit? of course. There's no such thing as as being an entrepreneur or starting a business or any of those without confronting failure. You know, one of my favorite quotes is by Winston Churchill, and he says, "Success is moving from failure to failure." without the loss of enthusiasm and no question this has been a significant learning journey for us first of all i spent 25 years in professional services where i'm providing my services or my team services directly to end consumers not through another product or or, or platform which is what we're doing with gobion so it has been a significant learning curve to realize that you're no longer speaking directly to your end customer. In our case, we're speaking through a medium like software or video to an organizational leader to their people. So the communication lines are much more challenging and we've learned a lot of ways not to do it. <laughs> And we're still learning ways to do it. I'll, I'll tell you one in particular that um, what we found candidly when we launched was that the software was not enough, meaning that the end consumer benefited from either a coach one-on-one -on -one walking them through some of the exercises or from a video walking them through the exercises. So when we launched, we did not launch with video. Mm -hmm. We spent actually beginning in the Q4 of last year, um, working on the videos, and they were finally finished up in Q1 of this year. So one of the big learning curves was, um, you know, software is great, scalable, uh, allows us to convey information and self-awareness at scale, but not everyone picks up on the nuances that you're trying to share within the software platform. And so a video communication on demand is helpful. And then even over and above that, what we've learned in 2022 is that companies want workshops again. They want a live person, if nothing else, kicking off the programs, being there as a guide along the journey, if you will, and what we're also providing now is something we call office hours, which is where we're available for the workers to sort of drop into a Zoom session if they're if they feel like they need to ask a question for two or three minutes. Um, in order to maintain scalability, where this this has to be something where it's a one to many as opposed to a one to one. Boy, that that's such a great lesson. You know, it's it's not unlike teaching where some some students are visual learners, some are auditory learners, some really need to, you know, actually do and practice. And and um, so it, it's communication is the same. We we all need uh, we all have different ways of absorbing information and you're educating, really. Correct. Uh, Correct. And, and we're educating to a purpose, no pun intended. We're educating 
individuals to get to go through a process that is many cases a self-awareness process and the other thing that we learn is we knew this but we're really learning it in spades is different people move at different paces and when you're we we sell as a cohort-based journey of less than 50 people but you can imagine within 50 people like in a classroom yeah there are different paces um cadence if you will that that different uh, individuals will walk yeah so uh, you know uh, communication leads us to this whole thing about marketing because that's a lot of what we're talking about here in selling and um of course i i'm uh i've got a lot of experience being on both sides actually of selling to organizations as well as being on the side of buying for an organization and um it's not easy a lot of times this whole process what um wh- what is your um strategy for reaching organizations you know what what is your sales strategy and and um you know is it's it a the you know have you figured out the timeline and and how long it takes and you know what kind of lessons do you have there for for an entrepreneur because they all have to learn to sell yeah so so the the short answer is no we haven't figured it out (laughs) your previous guest was talking about product market fit and i would say we're, we're definitely not at that stage yet what we've learned is that the companies and the organizations that tend to be more interested in what we're doing are people-centric organizations, what I would call professional service organizations, healthcare organizations, financial services. We have some interest in the accounting space right now. The, the accounting industry is really struggling with recruiting and retention. But what you learn is interest and even demo and even early discussions doesn't lead to a sale because there's a lot of uh, steps that you have to go to. There are budgetary constraints. There are decision-making constraints. So um, one of the strategies that we're employing is trying to get in front of organizations where those customers exist. So I'm still in the mode where a lot of our sales is Greg Sloan speaking to number of potential decision makers. I, I just did a, a presentation for the Atlanta chapter of SHRM. We're going to be doing webinars over the next few months for that same group, um, Society of HR Managers. And um, we do have a social media strategy. We do have a public relations strategy. We do have LinkedIn and all of those other um, uh, you know, things we've, we've, de- you know, put some money into Google ads and marketing, all of these produce activity, as you can imagine, but you still, at the end of the day, have to solve your client's problem. And so sales always comes back to, are you experiencing a problem that is so painful that you're willing to say help? And then are we one of, because we don't believe we're the panacea, are we one of the tools, one of the solutions that can help you um, solve part of what you're feeling in, in pain? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, there's so much wisdom, I think, in in all of that, because it is, it is about solving problems for your customers. And uh, you have to keep that top of mind and not necessarily fall in love with what you think the solution should be for them <laughs> and be uh, open, I think, to be flexible, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I, was just about, 
I was just about to mention that. So I've, I talk with a lot of venture capitalists as well and listen to podcasts and research and that. And the first thing that they will tell you as a founder, particularly if you're seeking um, outside investors, is fall in love with the problem. Do not fall in love with your solution. Fall in love with the problem. Because if you if you fall in love with the problem, then you will eventually build the right solution. So for us, the problem that we have fallen in love with in simple terms is unfulfillment in the workplace. You know, that that lack of of really truly um, uh, enjoying what you do on a day to day basis. Yeah. Do you think that um, uh, tell me a little bit, uh, this kind of takes us back to some of the things we were talking about earlier, but I'm just very curious about your thoughts on uh, remote work and the, you mentioned that people are want to get back together. Um, where do you see us heading in in regards to those kind of you know remote work and and offices and time together? What's that look like in the future? So I am a staunch believer that the future of work is hybrid, and I don't mean hybrid as in just geography. I believe the hybrid will include also, in addition to being remote geographically, it will include some sort of hybrid relationship. There are more and more individuals. In fact, there's a there's a big company called Unilever, which is one of the largest companies in the world. Sure. They have developed a whole program to help their workers discover their purpose. And then at the back end of that, they're also developing a a worker model, it's not necessarily in a W-2 employment model, a worker model where they're going to offer those workers a hybrid relationship where they are sort of a hypreneur, if you will, a hybrid entrepreneur, where a big part of their income is derived from one or two companies that may or may not look like employers, but they're, they're effectively quasi-employers, if you will. So the, the geographic remoteness is here to stay, right? That, that's, you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. I, I'm working out of my townhouse in Dunwoody, Georgia. I was one of those that said I could never work out of my house because of the dogs and the babies and all that other <laughs> stuff. And now I sit here thinking, I don't know if I will ever go back into an office. Five to, in fact, I'm pretty sure I will never do it. Nor do I believe it's necessary. Um, one of the nurses that we were working with left her her job as a nurse to find a career path as a nurse that was remote, which is very challenging because there's only a few roles. But in fact, she's she landed and she's doing great. So the I like to use the term hybrid versus remote because I think it incorporates not just the geographics, but also the relationship. Yes, people want to get back together, but we're talking about there's other ways to get back together, right? There are there are events, there are experiences, team building exercises, uh, even Zoom sessions, although I guess a lot of us have gotten tired of those. Um, but there are ways to participate physically as well as emotionally 
that keep us tied together. And, and that's part of what we're working on as well. That would, that's not necessarily our primary focus, but definitely building that culture around purpose is critical to our success. And we think to our customer success. Yeah. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense because I think, I, I, I think you and I are actually aligned with the way I've been thinking about the workforce as well. And, and in trying to advise young people in terms of preparing for that, uh, because you know what? What I see is that uh, you know, it, uh, in in many ways, I think we all are going to become entrepreneurial entrepreneurs. Those, you know, you and I already are, but there are a lot of people that may not have ever thought of themselves that way. But they're going to identify a skill set that they become very good at, and they maybe provide that to multiple companies at a time. Um, and in, like you said, geography from a geography perspective, from wherever they want to be uh, living, and so I think I think that it's I think there's something there, and and I think what you're trying to do provide this you know purpose and meaning um, is going to be really really critical uh, for the for the individual worker. Yeah, if if I could take that word entrepreneur, and then the next word entrepreneurial. Not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur, but everyone should be entrepreneurial, meaning that they are adding additional value. They're, they're inserting their creativity, their creativity, their uniqueness into even the, whatever it could be a mundane role. But if they have an entrepreneurial mindset, then they're going to be always thinking, how do we make this a little better as opposed to just stamping out the man, you know, being a, being yeah. a stamp run a manufacturing line, so to speak. Yeah. And that that's exactly the work that I'm doing right now. And, and uh, you know, I work with companies, even big companies. When I first started teaching, I was in Cincinnati and we wow. had a lot of big corporate headquarters there, Procter and Gamble and, and a lot of other companies there, GE. And those the, at the time, uh, teaching a, a class in entrepreneurship to graduate students, those companies would not pay for it. Um, they would pay for anything else, but not that. Now, those those kinds of companies are hiring people like me to come in and and help their employees build an entrepreneurial mindset because it has all of the the you know uh, the ability to recognize opportunities, the willingness to take action, um, you know, resilience, which are all the competencies of of the entrepreneurial mindset. And you know, they work uh, employees work better independently when they have that entrepreneurial mindset. And so we're putting them in, you know, they are in more remote independent work environments than maybe they've ever been before. And so I think you and I have, we, we're very aligned. Maybe we have some opportunity to work together. No, no, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, one on, on that note, it's one of the reasons, and I still struggle with this myself, Rebecca, is I'm trying to train myself to talk about the workforce and even use the term workers because I was talking to someone the other day that was focused on um, semi-retired individuals who are not ready to fully retire and may not be ready to fully retire and trying to find where do they fit. They still have energy. They still want to contribute value in exchange for compensation, but they don't want to be a W-2. They don't want a strict schedule, but they have... Um, massive amounts of knowledge and experience in their in their brains that we need, the society needs. 
And so when we talk about them as part of the workforce, it's all encompassing. But if we use the term employee, they may say, oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested yeah. in being part of the workforce, being within the workplace, but not necessarily as an employee. That's a great point. And as I get closer and closer to that <laughs> stage of life, you know, it'll I'm be not, years, decade. Yeah, but it's uh it it I understand it fully. And yeah. as you said, there we need that insight and that that wealth of experience and that wisdom, that a lot of that wisdom that comes from uh, career paths like you and I've had where we've done multiple things and, um, you know, it all kind of, uh, coalesces together to be very powerful. And, um, uh, it, it kind of doesn't make sense to reach that stage of your life when you can still contribute and just quit. Uh, and I think more and more people are feeling that way. So kudos to the people you're working with and talking to about that. I'm glad they are addressing that and working on some solutions there. You know, I, um, I'm really curious, Go Beyond must have uh, a, a, a purpose. And so I'm really curious about how you how you went about developing. I know you started the company with a purpose in mind, but how did you develop your own purpose statement? Um, and, and, you know, because I think that might be instructive to people who are listening and thinking about this. Yeah, so... It- a company like an individual, when, when you think about purpose, it really is a compilation of words where each word is very meaningful in the placement as well as the totality of what it brings. And, and for us, it really is, again, going back to that workplace, that's a really critical part, fulfillment in life, fulfillment in the workplace, those are really critical things for us. So when we pulled, when I say we, myself and the co-founders pulled together, it really was about, okay, what is it that all of us can agree upon where we are, each of us believes that this is the unique thing that we're bringing into the workplace. And then for each of us, we have our own unique personal purpose and how do I fit in to that purpose? So for instance, my purpose is help creative leaders figure out how to leave a mark. That is my own unique thing. I, When I think of a creative leader, there's nothing that gives me greater fulfillment than when I'm sitting in front of someone, even some of my peers, and they talk about creative ideas, right? That is that is a leadership um, um, skill set and something that they're bringing to the table. And it's how do we make sure that they contribute something that is meaningful to the greater good? And so it's always about how do we bring together those words and those passions in such a way that everyone says, yes, I want to contribute to that thing. I want to be part of that thing. Years ago, uh, when I was in graduate school and studying organization behavior, I remember one of the professors said, when you want someone to buy into an organization, you don't give them the, the welcome basket. You ask them to bring the cookies to the next event. Right. Because when they bring the cookies or the ham, they have ownership in whatever it is that they're a part of. So it's always about inviting people to contribute their words, their passions, their uh, unique um, areas where they want to invest energy. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it, it goes back to what what you were saying earlier, really, about about uh, you know the worker of tomorrow. It's like bringing bringing our authentic self to the workplace and uh, and and finding the best ways to contribute that. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it, Greg. This has been amazing. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I I could talk a lot longer, and I hope you and I will have a chance to continue to connect because uh, I think we're aligned on a lot of things. But as I uh, as I, you know, as I kind of bring this conversation to a close, I always like to ask my guests if they had one piece of advice that they could leave with our listeners, um, who are a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs a lot of times and practicing entrepreneurs, what would that be? I'm going to go in a slightly different direction than what we've talked about, because this is something that I have failed at multiple times. Um, and it has to do with emotional intelligence. We didn't really touch on that. We do have a, a, a tool called Friction EQ. But when you're doing business, particularly in an entrepreneurial setting with other people where they're calling co-founders, calling peers, it's really important to understand their own um, what what their emotional uh, lives have been through, have, have, they've gone through in their lives. So there have been many, many partnerships that have failed because not because of the skill set, but because of the emotional disconnect between those two individuals. I've experienced that multiple times, unfortunately. So I've learned from that. So I would say one of those great pieces of advice is when you go into business, when you go into partnership in particular, really understand, have a great appreciation for emotional intelligence. And real quickly, the four pillars for that, this is Daniel Goldman who wrote the book, self-awareness first, then self-management, then empathy and then which leads to relationship management. And if you can build upon those four pillars, even when you disagree, you still have a common place to communicate with each other. That's great advice. And like you, I've learned some of those lessons the hard way. So, <laughs> and they're very painful. Great you advice. Are. Greg, this has been amazing. Greg Sloan, Go Beyond. How can our listeners uh, find out more about you and your company and, and what you're doing these days? So probably the two easiest places is we do have a Twitter uh, and an Instagram, but LinkedIn is probably where we do a lot more interaction. And then, of course, we do have a website. Uh, we've just updated the URL to be a little more um, in line with what we're talking about. And it's just www.gobeyond.work. www.gobeyond.work. Perfect. Thank you, Greg. It was great talking with you today. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.